1: His flag fly forever. With Mike Gianella, John Hegland, Samuel Hale, and the Baseball Prospectus Fantasy Team.
2: Welcome to episode two sixty six of Flags Fly Forever, a baseball prospectus fantasy baseball podcast. I'm your co-host Mike Gianella, and with me, as always, is your other co-host John Hagelin, and behind the glass, Samuel Hale. How you doing tonight?
0: You know, I I uh, I'm hesitant to admit this, but I'm I'm actually in sort of a good mood, which which is is fairly rare. Um, Got to see family last weekend. Got to re- be be reunited with uh, all three of my siblings and their kids uh, and my sisters. And uh, went to the as I was telling you guys pre show went to the the uh, municipal pool today, which is open after being closed last year. And I don't know, and just you know, kind of got those uh, summer vibes. Um, watched Mike Ustremski uh hit a grand slam last night. Just watched Buster Posey hit a three-run bomb against the Diamondbacks. So yeah, baseball, uh, swimming,
2: family. It's all good. Yeah, you you got to be nothing but happy as as a Giants fan right now because I I always think one of the greatest things in sports is either that the first year like when when your team is like, you know, being successful or even the better like the surprise year like this. Yeah, be, because I, I always feel as a fan, like so, like Yankee fans right now. And I, I was, I, I kind of made this like, like joke on Twitter today, and I think I compared them to Eagles fans. And it's sort of this idea that there's, there's a class of Yankee fan. I want to be careful; they're not all like this. But there's a class of Yankee fan that the World Series, if they don't win it, it it's a bad year. So you, you've got a lot of Yankee fans that are kind of off the ledge about this season, and you know, they're, they're, <laughs> they're a 500 team, right? Like they're. You know, they, they, they could be better, but like I, I look at them they're three over 500, but I look at them and I see a 500 team. And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, no, they're much worse. You don't understand. And I'm like, oh, my God, you, you sound exactly like every Eagles fan in Philadelphia. Like you do. Like you just sound and, and Samuel, maybe you've encountered these Cowboys fans. Like, you, you know what I'm talking about, even though the Cowboys haven't you know been successful in God knows how long. I'm you sure mean all of them, Mike? Still exists. But, yeah, I'm getting myself in trouble with all sorts of fan bases right here. <laughs> well, off Well, yeah. Of the show. I
0: mean, as a Giants fan, this is this is my personal experience, but I think it's I think it probably applies uh, to a lot of fans like, you know, I grew up. I've been a Giants fan since around uh, the late 70s and uh, for a very long time, I assumed that, you know, I've actually had the thought that I will die without the team that I root for winning a World Series. And I reconciled myself to that. To that fact, and and then you know this weird run happened where, by all rights, this team should not have. They were a decent team. They were a playoff team. I they were think very
2: good. They were a very good team. They were a very good team, but were not not the they best. They were an excellent team, team but they were
0: a in very any good given team. year. Sure, sure. And now after that, everything is like house money. So yeah. you know, I, it, 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 th- this season it's great. It's fun. I'm enjoying every you know every day. And I don't expect it to last, and I'll be fine if they fall off in July or August. So,
2: well, I think I think there's a couple things. I I, I know this, like you know, with, with I mentioned Eagles fans before, and I, you know, after the Eagles won the Super Bowl, you know, obviously it was happy and you know celebratory, and I, I think the next year, you know, fans like were were disappointed because they thought that teams are great again, but they're like yeah, you know, we won the Super Bowl, and. Cubs fans, you know, 2016 was a similar thing. And then 2017, it was like, oh, you know what? Like, we we won last year. I I think there is that difference between one title and two. Like, in, in the non-Yankee fan division, like, there's that – you win one title, it's great, but then you kind of get hungry for more. You're like, well, we're in the run. We should get more, you know, whatever. I I think for you, you know, John. Like, even if the Giants only only won two, you still might have had that vibe of like, well, you know, we could have won a third, but this this is nice. But I think to your point too, like in your postseason runs, like nothing really went wrong. You know, that's the other part of that as well. Like, there's always the I think every fan has that pain of the postseason where it's like it's great we got here, but I never want this to happen yeah. again i'm talking about your I, recent one by the uh, way yes. i know you've experienced there are some,
1: some
0: painful pain. I, I i know in I memory
2: know. yes for I
0: sure do you
1: really want to talk about painful postseasons, john do you really want to do that no i know you're because we can to, talk painful David post David post seasons, buddy. i know
0: i know i know where that goes we all have our scars um yeah so
1: speaking but, of uh, so if, if we want to get mike in more trouble as we record this podcast there's currently ten seconds left in the Sixers Hawks game and the Hawks are leading by three after being down by twenty five at one point.
2: Wow. And I'm I'm glad I, I'm kind of a, a fair not a fair weather, but I'm I'm a Sixers fan, but really like not like a diehard Sixers fan, and that but that still is disappointing. That that, that makes me sad. Um you
1: weren't one of the Dorks chanting process at one point.
2: No, I, I, I just, I did decide to bandwagon, bandwagon them the year before they got good. So I could kind of have some cover and be like, well, I, I did watch them for a while when they sucked, but I didn't get in on like, you know, the ground floor of the process. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm going to wait. Cause I, I'm not going to sit here and watch a bad team for, you know, three or four years or whatever well, it was. I mean, you bring up a point
0: and I don't want to go down a rabbit hole on this, but like one thing I, I really get annoyed with, uh, On Twitter.com, which is where I see this most frequently is the gatekeeping about what type of fan you should be. And if you want to bandwagon a team, bandwagon the the heck out of a team, right? Yeah, you know, if you enjoy it, uh, just enjoy it in whatever way works for you. Um, You know, so that's just an aside. Yeah, I I agree. agree. I Uh,
2: I, I learned that like probably way too late in life, but you know, it's one of those things like just have fun, like watch, watch the teams that that you want to watch and and don't get all wrapped up in, Oh, I rooted for this team as a kid, like, you know, years ago.
0: And I I was, I I think since I, you know, have become uh, something of an analyst, you know, that, and maybe this started even before just by playing fantasy baseball, like, I feel liberated to root for teams that aren't my team in this kind of minor way. You know, I just feel like, oh, that's a team that has a lot of players I like, you know, like the Mets. I, I've become kind of a surrogate man, <laughs> Mike's like, why, why, why would you do that? I feel bad for you. That's Okay. <laughs> you know, but, but, it, you know, the attachment doesn't run deep so I can kind of do it at a distance or, you know, like, I don't know the, the. What are some other teams? Well, I guess the Rangers, just by osmosis, just because talking to to you, Samuel, I know more about the team than I than I did before. So I'm so I don't know. sorry.
1: I'm so yeah, sorry. You're,
0: you're both apologizing. You shouldn't. It's brought nothing but good things into my life because I don't have the pain when they when they yeah. um, don't well, well, don't turn out well.
2: Well, that that's that's kind of what, what I like about the Sixers. Like you know, I, I like the fact that, and they did lose, by the way. But but I like the fact that. I kind of have the pleasure without most of the pain. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I want them to win. I'm going to be sad if they lose a series. But I also i am like, well, you know what? I, I don't have that same, like, feeling going all the way back to my – that visceral feeling of attachment that I have with my favorite team. And, you know, getting back to your point, John, about baseball – that's kind of a great thing about fantasy baseball, and I, I maybe we've talked about this on here. I know I've written about it. It opens you up to more teams. Like I think fans mm-hmm. are very provincial, and most non-fantasy fans are just very focused on their team. They know all the players on their team, but outside of the stars, like you know, if you ask me who Ross Stripling was, for example, many would be like who. Or you know, if you're a Yankee, feeling yeah, I know who he is. He's pitching against us, but I don't know much about him. Like you, wind up getting into other teams' narratives, other teams' stories. There's teams we like, there's teams we hate. Like even I don't root for them. You're right, John. Like there's teams I definitely have this positive vibe about. I like watching and I I find interesting. And there's other teams like the Rays where you're just like, "Eh, I'm (laughs) just not. You know, I'm just not interested in this. And it's kind of says nothing. Nothing against the players. It's just you know the organization itself just makes me feel like very dry about everything so so
0: uh to transition to our topic what we actually want to
2: talk about yeah sure. thank you
1: for listening to our nba playoff podcast we really appreciate it
2: we should have chris towers back on we that that's the last time i think we talked about basketball this long and i believe it's before you were we're here john oh well, yeah yeah we should have chris on
1: I, we can get I, howard can show, on we I, want I, more basketball
0: We. Can oh, that's howard true
2: these are um, all good points
0: so I, I threw out an idea that we would just, uh, maybe identify some trends or, uh, things that were happening in major league baseball that we didn't necessarily expect or are happening to a degree that we didn't expect them. And this was a very loose idea, you know, a kind of a, a, a generative prompt for coming up with any, any discussion topic. So, um, Uh, Do you want? Do you want me to lead with one uh, or? Yeah, to to, to buy you some time.
2: You should lead because I'm admittedly like less prepared. Like I have some ideas, but they're not really like super fleshed out. So yeah, go go ahead, and I'll. By the time you're you're done, and I comment, I'll I'll be ready.
0: Uh, Okay, so uh, I would preface this by saying that I I kind of I kind of did think this this trend would come to pass, but I not to the degree it has, and it's. The number of teams that are um, seem to be content with splitting the the closer role. Um, I, I thought that there would be, you know, of course the Rays, the aforementioned Rays. I thought that they would they would do this, uh, and and they are uh, to some degree. But I'm surprised that it looks like a lot of teams are. This is just their mo. Like what I what I had anticipated was that certain teams would have almost, you know, a couple of guys or three guys maybe auditioning and then eventually, you know, the manager would would settle on one and, you know, we'd get to a fairly uh, normal, you know, arrangement for most teams in terms of, um, you know, the the closer and the, the kind of the bullpen uh, setup. But it looks like a lot of teams are just kind of sticking with this plan of co-closers or committee closers. Uh, the twins, I think, are the one that – that leaps to mind. Um, they basically have two uh, closers in Taylor Rogers and Hansel Robles. Um, the the Giants, it's a little performance based. I think if McGee had had not had some bumps in the road, maybe uh, Tyler Rogers wouldn't have, you know, kind of assumed a role. Um, but they're pretty much a, a split team right now. The A's are splitting between Trevino and and Diekmann. Uh, it's kind of a righty-lefty thing. Cleveland is splitting between Class A and Karinchak, so it's it's just interesting that um, you know more teams now. And I, I think there were I went through the roster resource uh, bullpen page, and it looked like there were seven teams uh, that that had uh, a closer by committee or a co-closer, which you know is not but, you know it's not the majority. Um, you know, it's it's still roughly a quarter of, of teams in, in the majors. But I still feel like this is a bit of a sea change as far as paving the way for this to be um, one way to organize your bullpen uh, rather than just an anomaly. So it's just interesting that we're seeing this. And, you know, in terms of fantasy, I think it just it makes a lot more, uh, puts a lot more closers or pitchers earning saves into play. Um and makes it possible. Like in Taut Wars, I'm doing okay in saves with basically kind of one full-time closer in Edwin Diaz, and then patching it together with a couple of these other kind of co-closers. So it's just one one observation that I I think is has been kind of interesting about the 2021 season so far.
2: Yeah, I've I've noticed the same, and I've I've struggled in in most of my leagues with with closers or. You know, like in TGFBI, for example, I have Craig Kimbrell, which which is great. Uh, but you know, beyond that, I I had Jake McGee, which was great for a while, and now I, I actually cut him because it was like, well, like, he's kind of getting the saves, but I haven't really found a replacement, and I've kind of been cycling through that that second closer spot, and that's sort of you know that that's sort of the challenge. I. I in a 15-team mix in the past, you'd have kind of two and a half closers, like two closers you just always use, and then a third where it's like, oh, you know, I'll use them in matchups or you know, like Daniel Bard for example, I use them on the road. Uh, now it, it, it's really difficult. Now it's almost like two closers or even one and a half, where you're like, well. Like I'm, that second reliever is going to be more of a rate stats pitcher than than somebody who I really believe in and, and trust. So, yeah, I've noticed it. I don't know what to do about it, though, because, you know, come come next year. And I think I wrote about this before the season. Like I, I I don't know if you remember my reliever ADP article, uh, but the point I kind of made in there was, you know, from a value standpoint, the sixth to tenth round looked like the sweet spot for, for saves. And boy, has that like really, like for the most part, played out so far. Mm-hmm. And you know, the the other side of that too. I, I went back and looked. You know, something something's fun to do if you you have a chance. And I'm I'm not just saying this to to pat myself on on the back. Um, if you go back and look at some of the ADP articles I wrote, I think one of the most fun things to do is look at the early ADP. You know, because it, it's ADP, it's like a snapshot in time as opposed to like what we look at now, which I think are the last few drafts. And it's really fascinating. Like there's there's just a a clump of relievers, and I'm I'm trying to find it now. Like where where that clump actually was. But there's this big swath of ADP from I think about 200 to maybe 350, where like there's maybe one closer in there, and like the rest of it is just either garbage or, or committee. So I, I bring this all up to say, I, I know what you're saying, and it make, I, I think we kind of saw this coming, but we're sort of surprised it played out the way we saw it coming, because you're right, John, like often we say, oh, closers are going to be bad, or, or there's not going to be a cer- any certainty, and most years there's certainty, and most years it shakes out, and yes, closers lose their job, but the uncertainty is overrated, I, I think this year the uncertainty is, is legitimate.
0: Yeah. And just like, I, I don't know that there's, you know, to your point, I don't know that there's a, a right answer. There was a kind of a right way to to play this other than, you know, picking a Kimbrell or a Matt Barnes in that, in that section of the draft. Um, but certainly not all of those closers picked there have panned out, you know, Jordan Hicks did yeah. not pan out. And I mean, I could go through a list. Archie Bradley, who I took uh, TGFBI is not panned out. Like in, in Tout Wars, in the draft and hold, I had the advantage of drafting a bunch of those pitchers and or a bunch of later round pitchers and seeing, you know, who, yeah. stuck, who stuck. But in TGFBI, you know, I got Edwin Diaz. And then basically the only saves I've gotten since then have been Hansel Robles off the waiver wire. But I'm still not last. I mean, I'm still I'm 11th, but there, you know, I've got 21 saves going into tonight, uh, Wednesday night. And I'm only, um, you know, like five saves away, six saves away from uh, sevenths, right? So it's not I'm competitive, right? I'm not I'm not completely last, and there's a chance that I could could rise. So,
2: Yeah. Well, I I think that's the other thing too that I, that uh, about this is that we we all know coming into the season that the closers we we draft are not going to be the closers at the end, but it's the uncertainty in season to that point. Like it 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 usually. You know, I, I heard this on other podcasts. Like a closer loses his job, you know, somebody else steps in and that's it, right? Like it's like, okay, well, you know, the closer went down. I knew it was gonna happen. Maybe I got the guy, maybe I didn't, but that's the way the game is played. And this year, there's just so many situations where, yeah, it's either a job share like in Minnesota, or it's fluid, you know, or or it's a team like Detroit where you're like, Yeah, I don't even know if I necessarily want any one of these relievers, but but I have to, you know, I have to get saved, so I'm gonna gonna try. And and yeah, that that's that's a large part of of, of what's happening here, which you know, which makes someone like Edwin Diaz like even more valuable, and you know, just that idea of like, well, if I did draft Diaz early this year and you know took that plunge, I, I know what I'm getting, and I'm getting a really good reliever, and and I'm getting those saves. Would you say that maybe the lesson
0: is in like a TGFBI style league with weekly fab, and a you know like a thousand dollar fab budget that. Maybe this year, more than years past, you don't go heavy on like the, you know, like, <laughs> like I did and so many others on Julian Merriweather. Like, you don't go heavy on any one closer and you just sort of try to every week, if you need saves, just keep putting in bids on possible closers and waiting or players that are going to get you the odd save and just keep churning that, those roster spots as opposed to really. Throwing down like a two three hundred dollar bid on someone you think is going to take over. Or do you think it's that's just kind of hindsight?
2: No, I I, I think that's mostly correct. So so a couple things. I, I think that I'm more into like the the say one hundred to like one twenty or one thirty bid. And if you get somebody like that, great. If if you don't, okay. Well, it lets somebody else kind of have the headache for two fifty or three hundred. Um, and I actually got lucky with Meriwether in my TGFBI. I got him for one thirteen. You know, I, I say lucky. Of course, he didn't work out. But at that price, I'm like, he didn't work out. I'm like, okay, well, it's eleven percent of my budget, not twenty five to thirty. Like th- those, are two very different like propositions. Like, there's probably people who spent like thirty percent of their budget on Meriwether who are down to like you know two fifty, three and fab right now. We're sitting there like, well, okay, I know I have some fab, but pretty much if anything comes through now, I. I have to either max out or I can't bid, like that. That that's the place they're in. Um. So so to the second point, you know, I heard Fred Zinke talking about this on the RotoWire podcast, but he was talking about starting pitching. But I think this similar. It's a similar precept, which is you know rather than make the big bid, kind of make the little bids, like you're saying, John. Like make make the. This would be a one dollar bid, but you know, make the five dollar bid, make the twenty dollar bid, make the ten dollar bid, and. Like I, I did that with Jose Cisnero. I bid five, and if he doesn't work out, and I don't think he will, that's okay. You know, it's five bucks. It, it's it's, I'll live. I can just stream somebody else in a week or two weeks or, or whatever. But yeah, it's it's a big difference because when you spend that, you know, even with, with Meriwether, I kind of held on over a week or two because I felt almost obligated. Where it's like, oh, I I spent all this money, <laughs> which which you shouldn't feel that way. No, but it, I but held it's like, on to him for like a month. <laughs> so. But it, it's psychological. Like you almost can't yeah. help yourself. Where you're like, well. Like I really want this to work out, and it's like, yeah, you, you just have to cut your losses and, and kind of move on. And with a five dollar pitcher, it's you know, or a ten dollar pitcher, it's easier to do that. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
1: A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh?
2: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. <laughs> That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase
0: necessary.
2: by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, I think we've we've exhausted that topic. Yeah. So,
2: so yeah. I, I have a yeah, I have a pitching trend. Um, by the way, Samuel, are you are you participating in this or are you just? Uh, or are you just in the background with this? I've got
1: one? I've definitely got at least one, but you can go ahead and go first. Okay. Well, so
2: so mine is a I guess a trend that didn't happen and, and maybe could still happen. So coming into this season, I, I I think many of us had this expectation that, you know, first full season uh starting pitchers were are we're gonna pitch fewer innings. Uh there'd be more tandem situations, there'd be more relief work, you know, yada yada yada. And Really, so far, it, it's been pretty much the, the same at, as last year. Um, and really, actually I say last year, it's been very similar to, to 2019 in terms of the average number of innings per, per start. Now that's not a lot of innings still. You know I don't want to oversell this and you know say that we're having this you know, starting pitcher renaissance. We, we know we're not. Um, but but that that surprises me a little bit. I I was expecting something closer to twenty twenty when when starters average four point eight innings per start. And I'm not gonna say I'm shocked. Uh, you know, some of it is, is that you know we know this. Like the pitching has been great, hitting has been bad. So so that's part of it. You know, if, if when pitching is doing well, pitchers can throw fewer pitches in an inning. They can go deeper, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but but I, I thought more this would be more about the workloads and and teams kind of being cautious and being like well you know we even if this is going great for us we don't necessarily want to put our, our pitchers you know in this position where you know they're going out there and burning themselves out but that hasn't happened and I I, I got to say I'm again not shocked it's kind of like the thing with you and the save, John i I'm not shocked but I'm definitely a little bit surprised that it's played out this way. So I'm
0: just kind of thinking very uh, in in a not nuanced or, or sophisticated way about this. Like, it, isn't it just harder to manage a rotation? If you're doing, even if you're just doing a six man rotation and you say, that's what we're doing. You still have like, okay, I've got to have six starters that are decent, but then that's taking one spot from the bullpen, if all these guys are locked into like regular, you know, work for, for a start. And, and, you know, I guess also, yes, some teams will do the bullpen day uh, and the, the, the follower, you know, the starter and the, the opener and the follower. But I, I just wonder how much of it is down to look uh, you know, we're already at a point where our starters are only going like, you know, on average, what's, what's the average per start, like five, it's about, it's like 5.1, 5.1. And I, I, you know, that's, I I feel like maybe that's kind of the, the bottom for that's maybe the basement for, for this, as long as we continue to have, um, rosters constructed the way yeah. they are. Well, and you're already I, getting, you, you know, no starter is going to, um, you know, no back end starter, I should say, is going to get close to, to 200 innings. So even, you know, if you have a, a player that you're trying to to manage, you you can still give him the starts. Um, you can do the right. The the Phantom IL because it's only 10 days. And so there I guess maybe I, I the long way around is to say that there there are other ways to manage that besides, um, you know, shortening starts and putting in more like tandems, uh, yeah. I suppose.
2: Well, the the other thing too, you know, that that ties into this is that, you know, it, it, it's the paradox of, of baseball in twenty twenty one, which is teams carry more relievers than ever, right? Yet seem to run out of relievers like more <laughs> than ever. And you know, oh, a position player is pitching. You know, and I I know it's a it's a job or arm saving tactic or whatever, but I I I still cynically think that some team, some of these teams do not know how to manage their bullpens. Like that that's really kind of what the problem is and so it's a little bit harder to like i i guess the you know, i'll throw out a name maybe you can remember john I, I know samuel you won't because you're not old like we are like someone like dennis lamp like like a pitcher like that doesn't really exist anymore um or you know someone in in the bullpen whose job was to you know eat up 110 innings or or whatever mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. he had a start in one of those years, so I'm, I'm I'm being somewhat disingenuous, but but that was the idea. Was you know you had a pitcher whose job was to eat 110 innings, and I, I don't mean to malign Dennis Lamp. Dennis Lamp in 1989, you know, had a 2.32 ERA and those 112 and a third innings. He was good. He
0: had 21 um, 21 career WAR according to Fangraphs. Right. So.
2: But, it, but I I it's less to, to say that you know Dennis Lamp was bad. Um, although you know he, he looks so earnest on his baseball reference page. Please please go check that that. Page. Picture out. He he looks like a he looks like a character like in a, in a story set in New England. Um, but anyway, the the whole idea here though is that you know I'm not wrong. Um, the, the, the whole idea here though is that those pitchers don't exist, and some of his teams, everybody's throwing as hard as they can. Everybody's trying to hit max velocity. You know, all this stuff that has been talked about at infinitum. But the offshoot of it, the offshot, is that you don't have you know a pitcher throwing you know however many like innings it is that that they used to and and kind of saving the rest of the pen yeah i'm looking at this picture i think he he owns a uh, a, a you know a, a
0: very minimalist kind of b&b in i don't know like kittery maine or something like it's you know it's not it's not the place that all the tourists go to but he's this you know this 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 owner of a B and B and he's he's gruff and he's he's not he's not you know outgoing. He doesn't welcome you and give you like cookies and tea like a lot of the B and B owners do, but he's sure.
2: he's solid. You feel comfortable, you feel safe with Dennis Lamp running the the B. That is that is even better than anything I I could have come up with. So I, I pulled up a, a a famous like game, the the Phillies Cubs 23 to 22 game from 1979. I, oh yeah, I, I remember that. I love looking at this box score. I, it's just a, I mean, it's an amazing game. You know, it, it's forty-five runs between two teams, went ten innings. Um, you know, somehow a four-hour game. I think today that that game would take you know like seven hours. <laughs> two days. But, yeah, but I, I'm I'm looking at this and it's just fascinating because you know the, the Phillies used five pitchers, uh, <laughs> the Cubs used six pitchers. No, a position player did not pitch. And you know Willie Hernandez, he of the the later MVP award, you know, with the Tigers, he he faced twenty four batters in relief. Like I, I, <laughs> I, I just can't. Like, today, could you imagine that? Like the, the broadcasters would be going on and on about you know malfeasance and you know hurting his arm and and etc. etc. Um, I, I, I'm that's an extreme. I'm not saying we should have that, but. I, I, I guess your point, John, yeah, it, it's a little bit hard to to say, oh, you know, we, we should protect the starting pitchers, you know, down the stretch from potential injury. When in reality, the reality is, it's like, well, how are you going to do that with the way you're using your bullpens? Like it, it's, you know, with, without a rule change, like it, it's almost impossible.
0: Yeah. I don't know what the fantasy takeaway here is that, you know, you just, I didn't uh, have one. The, I, I just the, was, no, no, just, no. no. And, and I, you know, that wasn't a prerequisite, but um, I think it's something that we maybe forecast before the season, which is just that, you know, they, the innings eaters are more valuable than ever because there are so many fewer of them. Um, if if they could stay healthy and give you like league, league average innings, uh, they're certainly worthy of, of
1: rostering. So. Okay. Yeah. Samuel, do you, do you jump in? So uh, I'd like to say before I get to my, uh, Narrative: Dennis Lamp absolutely looks like the guy you take your twenty-year-old car to after it comes off the lift. He comes out to you, wiping his hand with an oily rag, and says, "Well, look, we can fix it, but it's going to cost you." (laughs) But he takes cash, which knocks a couple hundred dollars off because, as you know, he—you know what he does with his money—is his business, not yours. That, but that mustache just just exudes trust. Like I, I I trust that. Oh, I trust
0: him entirely. This is the the weird. The weird thing is about Dennis Lamp is. Looking at his bio,
2: he's from Southern California,
0: which uh... now,
2: hover over his picture, by the way, his his Chicago White Sox picture looks much you get an alternate Southern California, dude. Like, yeah, it looks like there, there's the two the two Dennis Lamps. But by the way, I can't believe we're talking this much about Dennis Lamps tonight. <laughs> You're listening to the Dennis Lamp experience only on Flags Fly forever. I mean if you I, think this episode would be called
0: talking about Dennis Lamp, I mean well, you can do a lot with the lamp. I mean, you could go with the easy
1: I love lamp, but that's that's a little on the nose. Yeah, we're gonna do so well, we're gonna have fun with that somehow. But yeah, I uh, I just whatever Dennis Lamp tells you, you can take it to the bank because he that mustache is a mustache of trust. How how do you get the alternate picture though? You, you just Are put your you, cursor understand? over it.
2: Over his hover picture? over it. You should. It should come up with a. It
1: comes up with a glorious very Chicago White socks yeah, on his like it, on his
2: B-ref page. On
1: his yeah, just,
0: page. Put, put your cursor oh, on the, there on we the go. picture. There we go. Okay, got it. Got it.
1: Doesn't yeah. it look like kind of like Clark Griswold and Cousin Eddie next to each other? Like they kind of those vibes you got. You know, Clark Griswold on the left, the very squared away family guy, but a little off kilter. Then there's Cousin Eddie. The hair's a little skewed. The mustache doesn't oh, yeah. look as tight. That like, that just,
0: Dennis Lamp knows how to throw back a few buds.
1: Yeah, that dentist lamp will provide you some some Tennessee lightning, and just not think twice about it.
0: Yeah, that that dentist lamp is is a a good time that just might end up end up in with the discharge of
1: firearms. That dentist lamp has punched a cop, but then bought him a beer to make it okay.
2: <laughs> Hopefully, he don't get sued by any of the dentist lamps. So I,
1: I want to be I want to make it clear that all of this makes me like him more. And, like, this is not slander because I mean it fully as a compliment. I am not trying to def- to, de- defame in any way Dennis Patrick Lamp. I mean all this as in terms of – Also, I'm, I'm
2: looking him up hoping that, like, you know, he didn't, like, you know, milkshake duck and we're – oh, no, we're talking about this person <laughs> having fun. But it doesn't, it doesn't look like it. it. It looks like at Wikipedia it all it says is that – I guess
1: I better type in Dennis he's, Lamp. He's worked behind racist.
2: the counter at Bristol Farms in Newport Beach, California since 2004. I think that's that's awesome. He's worked where? Behind the seafood counter at Bristol Farms in Newport Beach, California.
0: Holy shit. I am going to – if I end up in Southern California uh, sometime soon, which is a possibility, I'm going to make a Den Slam pilgrimage. Oh my God. That would be so – Can you
1: interview him for the podcast? Just hold your iPhone out there and just yeah, be like, hey – I'll do hey. what
2: I can. I'll do what I can. I'll do what I can.
1: Mainly, we just need you to confirm with the mustache. exists.
2: His oh my god, his cubs his cubs picture picture with if you Google it for images, his cubs picture with the the mustache that goes like all the way like you know like around. Oh, his face. The, does he have the Lemmy mustache? And the glasses. Oh man, that, that- See, that's oh yes, That's I've how I remember now.
0: him. I think that's the baseball card picture I remember.
2: Yeah, me too. Oh that's awesome. Um oh man, those shades are
0: amazing.
1: Oh, there's yeah. another one. If you if you go down to the second, like I think it's the second or third row, another White Sox one where he's got his glove up in the ball. but He got he wasn't, you know, he
2: wasn't that, that Dennis lamp wasn't in the seventies the mob and goodfellas but he was in the restaurant while they were there. That that's that. <laughs> what I'm wondering, like, are those glasses tinted or is that just his eyebrows that are kind of darkening
0: the, I think,
1: Oh, I think that's it, a great that, question.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Um, I Samuel, are, are we, are we going to, are we going to pull this back? Or are we, we just gonna like talk?
2: Add, about Dennis we'll
1: Lamp No, right? well, we're gonna talk about Dennis Lamp a little bit more because I want to see what it cost me to get a Dennis Lamp autograph on eBay. <laughs> all right. Uh, so, <laughs> all right. If if you wanted to, I God, I might buy this right here live on the show. Honestly, uh, if I if I, what do you think a 1990 tops Dennis Lamp signed card when he was with the Red Sox will cost you? Oh, 1990. Ah, uh, that
0: can't be too. I'm gonna. I don't know. Twenty bucks. Thirty bucks. My way over shooting
1: it.
2: That's too high. That's too high. Yeah.
1: You Ten can bucks. it can be had with free shipping for $5.99. Okay. Huh.
2: Yeah, yeah, what I was do? I, gonna, know? I was gonna ask eight, so I was pretty close.
1: All right, let's see. What's the best value? I kind of want one of those. There's a cubs card for 20 from 1980. There's a nineteen eighty. Oh, that's that might be the one. This might be the one. I'm going to put this in our group chat so we can all see it. Uh, welcome to the Dennis Lamp Podcast. We've just fully converted. This is how broken our brains are. I'm leaving all, all of this in. This is probably going to be the feature part of our podcast. Here's $3.99 with a dollar shipping uh, from 1983. I think this might be the one I should order. gotta take a look at that. It's in our Twitter chat.
0: Yeah, I'm getting it up. My, my uh...
1: That's what she said.
0: <laughs> my Twitter's been... Uh... Okay, here yeah. we go. Dennis Lamp. 1983 tops. Let's go. Oh wow. Isn't that a yeah. great picture? That's a great picture. And that's a great I Sox red jersey. Is,
2: uh, yeah, I remember I remember the, he he's a weird player too. And I remember him with like almost all these teams for whatever reason. The the White Sox outline after the one team I kind of don't remember him with.
0: Yeah, he's a I think he's uh He's always gonna be a cub for me because that's probably the first baseball card
2: I I got. Check yeah.
1: out the other one I just showed you. I think this might be the this might actually be the winner because the picture is fantastic.
2: It's still oh yeah, yeah. That's really right. cool.
1: I'm trying to see if there's any of the ones that we already looked at that are really that are on here. But he's, I think that might be the a, winner.
2: He's a fun guy. He just he yeah. just looks like a fun, friendly guy. Is he on Twitter? I'm so glad I I brought this up because, um,
1: no, Dennis lamp is not on Twitter. Oh man. If, if he was, I was going to try to book him for the show. Like I want to interview Dennis lamp now. Uh, well, should I I buy this card?
0: Twitter's just the easy way out. Look, I, I will, I will, uh, PayPal or Venmo you, um, you know, the price of the card. All right, which view. one am
1: I buying? Am I buying the first one or the second one? Which one should I buy? The the dollars or the
0: $3? Well, I mean, as, as the, the popular gift says, why not both? Should I should buy both? I don't know.
2: <laughs>
1: Look, I if mean, you're going
0: to go with one, I'm going with the Cubs version, but. Okay,
1: I, I mean, honestly, I'm not averse to buying both. Like, I'm just saying.
0: If you feel buyer's remorse, I will cover these.
1: Actually, honestly, I kind of want to buy one of these for me and then send the other one to one of you, but not tell you which one is getting it. <laughs> In fact, that's what I'm going to do. One of you is getting a Dennis Lamp card. I know exactly how to get your address because I have it on email from a previous adventure. Uh, but well, I will.
0: The one of us that doesn't get a Dennis Lamp card is going to feel pretty. Uh excluded here pretty left out yeah
1: yeah that's a good point i will settle this after the show i will figure out what i'm going to do with this but this is again yeah dennis lamp has taken up way more of our show than i ever possibly imagined like you could have offered me all the money in the world i forgot
2: i kind of forgot he existed
1: we will never
0: forget never forget no we will never forget i was
2: was grasping for like the name of a rubber-armed reliever and and he came up
1: yeah, I mean I think he fits the definition of three uh what is I'm what looking for ERA? Three ninety-three ERA in sixteen years. I think he qualifies very highly for that.
0: Dennis oh, Lamp. A... Guy remembered.
1: Yes, Guy remembered. Uh God, I kinda I kinda I just want to end the show here, but I, I, think wish, we we had, I wish we had We could.
2: We we could we could do that. We we could actually just, you know, make this the thirty minute show.
1: You know what? I think we should. I think, in honor of John, who always wants this, and in honor of Dennis Lamp, really and truly, I All think right. he should be the way our show ends.
2: Wow! Let let us make this a really really <laughs> show then. Um, uh, and let's just say, um, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of good. If you go to the images page on Google, there there's some good articles there too, including one from the former SB Nation site bluebirdbanner.com. dot I, I that was my favorite one. thank you once again for listening to episode 266 of flags fly forever a baseball prospectus dennis lamb podcast um please always listen to our podcast um it's very illuminating we like to shine light on a lot of different topics sometimes fantasy sometimes not and hopefully we won't be throwing you too much shade beneath the lamplight of our show for Mike Gianella, John Haglund and Samuel Hale. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week. And of course we'll keep the light on for you.
0: (laughs) Good
1: night. Bye all.